Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Well, it is that time of year again. The most wonderful time of the year when we get to go all in, 100% on Christmas spirit. Some of y'all started back in early November. No. Some of y'all even started on December 1st. Yeah, kind of. But for me, two weeks before Christmas or so, that's when you get to go all in. That's when you have permission to go all in. And that looks different for a lot of different people. There's tons of ways to get into the Christmas spirit. You know, putting up the Christmas tree, uh, putting up the Christmas lights, drinking hot cocoa by the fireplace, shopping for and wrapping gifts. Uh, For some of us, playing the same four songs over and over again on repeat for a couple weeks. Uh, So many different ways to celebrate this season. But for me personally, one of the best ways for me to get into the Christmas spirit is by watching Christmas movies. Now, if you're like me and you love watching Christmas movies in order to get into the holiday spirit then you have come to the right place. Because all month long, we're in this series called Christmas at the Movies, and we're looking at gospel truths that can be found in some of our favorite Christmas movies, even some of the unexpected ones. And before we get into the movie that we're talking about today, let's take a really broad look at movies in general. Have you ever noticed that a lot of movies seem to follow pretty much the exact same formula It goes something like this. Everything is great, but then a big problem arises. Chaos ensues, but then a hero shows up, saves the day, and then peace is restored. Now, I'm sure we can all think of of some movies that don't quite fit this blueprint, but but really most of them do. It kind of gives us a, a general snapshot of how movies are made, even if it's not some of the massive action-packed superhero movies, these elements can usually be found in one way or another. What I find really interesting and fascinating about this formula is it's actually pretty identical to the story of salvation. God's Word tells us that in Genesis 1, everything was great between man and God. But not long after Genesis 1 comes Genesis 3. This is when rebellion and tragedy strikes. Humanity rebels against their good and loving God, and it creates chaos, and it creates a major problem because now all of mankind is broken and separated from their creator. All seems hopeless. Good news, though, God had a plan from the very beginning. He planned to restore and redeem his creation back to himself, and this is when the hero arrives, Jesus, comes to fulfill the requirements of God's law, which is something that we could never do, and to set us free from our sin. And then God's word promises that one day he will come back and make all things new 
for good. Now, it's possible that this true story of salvation has created a blueprint that has inspired nearly every movie made these days, and that is no exception when it comes to the movie that we're talking about today. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies ever, Elf. Today, we're going to look at four truths about the gospel according to Buddy the Elf. Now, you might be surprised at just how much gospel truth we're going to be able to find in a movie that doesn't even mention the name of Jesus once. Let's start with a little bit of background to who Buddy is. In case you haven't seen the movie, Buddy uh, lives in an orphanage. He had no family to belong to. And then one night, when Santa came to visit the children in the orphanage, Buddy crawled into Santa's pack, and he was transported to his new home, the North Pole. And there's an elf there named Papa Elf, and Papa Elf adopts Buddy, and he was welcomed into the elf community. Here's how Buddy explains it. Check out this clip. All right, so Buddy is a human, but he was raised by elves. And that brings us to our first gospel truth from this movie. It's this. We are adopted. Through Jesus, when we're baptized and we call Jesus our Lord and our Father, we become part of the family of God. Here's how Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might have adoption as sons. Paul says that the reason that we celebrate Christmas Right here, the reason that God sent his son to be born by a woman was to redeem us and to adopt us. Now, adoption looks very different today than it did to the Gentiles that Paul was writing to with this letter. Adoption today is aimed at putting a child in need in a loving home uh, and support system. Roman adoption was to create an heir. It was so that the adopting family would have somebody to pass down their inheritance to. If a Roman man in Paul's time didn't have any sons, didn't have anybody to pass down his property or his possessions to, and nobody to continue his family line, then he would adopt a son to fill this role. And the adopted person, they would get a new name. Essentially, the old version of them completely disappeared as if it was never existed, uh, and they become part of a new family, and they become rightful heirs, and they're able to continue on the family name. Now, there are three main situations where someone would be able to be adopted in the Roman world around this time. Uh, one of them was oftentimes a family might have multiple sons, and so they would essentially sell one of their sons to adoption to help support the family that's in need, but also they would give one of their sons to a family that needed a son. Uh, sometimes they would adopt an illegitimately born child. So a child that doesn't really belong to any specific family, you could adopt that son uh, into a family that needed a son. And sometimes they would also adopt slaves. And in the case of slaves, the slave's debt would be completely paid, and the slave would be set free, and they would be adopted and put into a new family, and they have a, a new name, and their, their entire history of, of slave and debt was wiped clean entirely. Now, with this picture of adoption in mind, the same picture in mind that Paul would have had when he wrote this letter, let's look at the next couple of verses that Paul writes when he says that we will receive adoption. Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7. And because you are sons, 
God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. So through our adoption, what is it that we have become an heir of? What is our inheritance? Well, in a word, it's heaven. It is the sum total of everything that God has promised us in salvation. It is freedom from sin. It is eternal life in him. It is everlasting joy. It is God himself as our father. Through adoption, we have abandoned our old self. We have taken on the name of Christ. We have become part of God's family, and we have become heirs. Now, let's look back to Buddy's story. Buddy was adopted by Papa Elf, and he was raised by elves, but it wasn't easy for Buddy to find a place in the elf world. Let's watch this clip to see what I mean. So there are some times when Buddy made a, a pretty lousy elf, and he really struggled to find his place at the North Pole. But it's in this that we find our second gospel truth from this movie. We have a purpose as we live for our king. Honestly, it's pretty crazy to think that a full-sized human would be able to accomplish elf tasks like making toys. But what's even more crazy is that God would choose us. God would choose you and me to spread his gospel to others. I mean, think about it. God, he's God. He's the creator of the world. He puts all things into motion. He is the most high, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present being. He can do all things. He has no limit. And I play video games and read comic books. I mean, the story of salvation is the most important story of all time. And with the job of spreading the word, the creator of the universe has trusted this. Somehow, yes, God has given each of us a purpose in his kingdom, and he has tasked us with making his name known. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. What you do is a reflection of who you are. And since you have been adopted as a child of the king and taken on his name, then we live for the purpose of bringing glory to his name. Christmas should be a season where we are reminded of what Jesus did for us and of who we are because of him. The word workmanship in this verse, it comes from the Greek word poema, which sounds a lot like our word poem. This word is used to describe any work of art, so something like a statue, a song, a painting, or even a poem. So when we're called Christ's workmanship, Christ's poema in this verse, it means that we're a reflection of our creator. We are an art piece of our creator, and we get to live as trophies of grace. But we don't always feel that. Many of us have grown up in church, or we've heard preachers say time and time again that we have purpose, that God created purpose in us, and, and he has big plans for us. But in my experience, that can be really hard to believe sometimes. 
and not just to believe that we have purpose, but to really understand what our purpose even is. And it's frustrating when you see others who seemingly have it all figured out. I mean, picture Buddy in the toy shop. He would look around and he would see some elves, some elves working on a sleigh, some elves building etch-a-sketches, some building Lego sets, and it seems like everyone else knew their role except for Buddy. Buddy kept failing at every single job he had, and he would move on to the next one, destined to fail that one too. Well, as it turns out, Buddy wasn't actually a cotton-headed ninny muggins after all. He had a purpose. And he's the hero of this story. Buddy ends up saving Christmas. But his role wasn't to build toys or to work at the North Pole. Buddy's job was to spread Christmas cheer. Because without Christmas cheer, Santa wouldn't be able to deliver gifts. And so Buddy's job was to spread Christmas cheer. And he knew the best way to do it. Check out this clip. Buddy knew that singing loud was the best way to spread Christmas cheer. I think the best way to fulfill our purpose in making the name of Christ known is by living loud. And that's the third truth that we're going to get from our movie today, that we have something to be loud about. Now, let me be clear. I did not say being loud. I think there's a big difference here. Because when I say living loud, I don't mean that we should be obnoxious or have a bad attitude. I don't mean that we should just be adding to the noise. I don't mean that we should be hateful or hurtful. I don't think that loud means just posting stuff on social media that's going to stir up arguments. There's enough people already being that kind of loud, and I don't think we really need to join them. Instead of being loud, I think we should be living loud or loving loud. We want an example. Let's look at Acts chapter 4 to help me explain. In this passage, God is moving, and Peter and John, they've got front row seats. Let's see what happens. Uh, This is Acts 4 verses 1 through 4. When they, this is Peter and John, when they were still speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people uh, and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they seized them and they took them into custody until the next day since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000. Peter and John knew that God could change any heart that was willing to hear the truth. They knew they had a purpose to live loud, and nothing was going to keep them quiet. They saw a group of people around them who needed to hear the truth of the resurrection of Jesus, and they knew that the best way to spread the gospel was to live loud. And so they spoke up, and it cost them a night in jail. So what does this look like for us today? Well, probably different than it did for Peter and John, but I think it starts in the same place, seeing the people around us. And I mean really seeing people. Because if we're honest, sometimes, especially this time of year, we can be so consumed with ourselves that we hardly even see the opportunities around us every single day. I saw a study that looked at the things that Generation Z wants most out of people who claim to be followers of Jesus. The number one answer was someone who listens. Don't you think that's probably true for almost anybody? People want to know that they matter, that their story matters, 
It's why we did that whole series this past year called It's Personal. It's because we believe that everybody deserves to have somebody who really knows them, who cares about them, and who loves them. Loving loud doesn't mean yelling from street corners or posting a five-point debrief of the gospel on social media. It's actually seeing the people around us, and it's making it personal. And so Peter and John, they preach the resurrection, and they end up in jail. They share the truth with a crowd that was gathered, and in doing so, they end up in jail. They share the truth that Jesus had risen from the dead, and they get arrested. Wouldn't you know that the same thing happens to Buddy the Elf? Not exactly, but close. Buddy discovered that there's a fake Santa working at the local mall. And so he proclaimed to everybody in the store that this was not the real Santa. He shared the truth, but it ended up getting him arrested. So Buddy's in jail. Let's see what he does in this next clip. All right, so Buddy's in jail. He's got no ID, no money, nothing at all. What's he supposed to do? He calls for help. He calls someone that he knows is going to show up, Walter Hobbs. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, then let me introduce you to Walter Hobbs. Walter is Buddy's real father. Remember, he was adopted because he was in an orphanage at the beginning of the movie. Walter is Buddy's real father. But Walter never even knew that Buddy existed up until the previous day that this happens. But what we learned throughout this movie is that Walter's really not that great of a dad, even to the son that he does know about. Walter cares mostly about his work. He doesn't really spend any time with his son. He has certainly earned his spot on the naughty list. But when Buddy needed to get him out of jail, Walter showed up. Now, if we tried to compare Walter, Buddy's father, with God, our father, we're going to see a whole lot of things that are different. But we're going to see one major similarity. Unlike Walter, God is a loving father. God is present. He puts his children above all else. He is a perfect father that no humanly father could ever live up to. But one thing that God and Walter have in common, they both showed up. Walter showed up to get Buddy out of jail. God shows up every time. In the Old Testament, God showed up time and time again when his people needed him the most. He, he showed up for the Israelites when they left Egypt. He showed up for David when he fought Goliath. He showed up for Elijah when he lit the altar. He showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in the fiery furnace. And then, remember our verse from earlier. When the time was right, God showed up, born of a woman. He showed up here on earth on Christmas morning. When we celebrate Christmas each year, we're celebrating that God showed up, that he came to be with us and that he came to die for us. And after Jesus died, Jesus was raised and he ascended back into heaven, but God still wasn't done showing up because he left the gift of the Holy Spirit who continues to show up when we need him the most. That's our fourth gospel truth we learned from this movie, that God shows up. After Peter and John spent the night in jail, the next day they were questioned. And just when they needed God the most, he showed up. Acts chapter 4 verse 8 starts off with this. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them. Sometimes it's tempting to look at Peter and John and the apostles and just to assume that they're better men than we are, that they're more holy, that they're closer to Jesus, that they're wiser. 
It's just not true. The only thing that Peter did was make room for the Holy Spirit to speak through him. And here's what he said. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And look at how the priests and the Sadducees responded. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, they realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Just by sharing the news of salvation was enough for them to realize that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Peter and John were not teachers. They weren't Pharisees. They weren't experts. They were fishermen. But they allowed the Holy Spirit to work through them. They were bold and they lived loud and they lived on purpose to share hope and to put Jesus on display. In fact, when they were called in again later on in this chapter and they're commanded not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, here's how Peter and John responded. Whether it's right in the sight of God For us to listen to you rather than to God, we're going to let you decide. But we are not able to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Can you imagine what would change if we all lived loud with the passion of Peter and John? What would a life lived for Jesus do in your workplace or in your home? or your school, if we live loudly and we allowed the Holy Spirit to work through us, what conversations would that lead to? Who are the people that God is calling you to really see? Do you remember Jovi from the clip that we played earlier? When we first see Jovi in the toy store, she said, I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Her character is quiet. She doesn't want to draw attention to herself. She doesn't want anyone to hear her sing. She's not necessarily shy, but she's definitely not running around Manhattan screaming about Santa like Buddy is. In a lot of ways, she's probably the most relatable character in this movie. And towards the end of the movie, a crowd of people, they saw something fall from the sky and land in Central Park. And a large crowd gathered to see what was going on, and Jovi is there, and she knows that the only way to save Santa, this is the real Santa this time, the only way to save Santa and to save Christmas is if there's more Christmas cheer. Let's watch this last clip to see what Jovi does. I kind of wanted you you all to like erupt in chorus as well. I was a little disappointed that we didn't. (laughs) Doesn't this clip feel very similar to what we read about Peter and John in Acts 4. Peter and John lived bold. And many people who heard their message believed. Jovi was bold. And even the most skeptical people in the crowd couldn't help but join in the singing. Was Jovi comfortable getting up in front of everybody and singing? Of course not. She said so earlier in the movie. But she understood her purpose. And she was bold enough to save Christmas. Anyone who believes in the name of Jesus has been adopted into the family of God. We've been given purpose and we are called to live loud and bold, even if that means stepping out of our comfort zone. Maybe that means being bold enough 
to invite your neighbor to church with you next week. Or bold enough to share generosity with somebody who needs it this season. Or bold enough to ask your coworker how you can pray for this, them this week. Maybe it means being bold enough to finally sign up for a community group. Or to ask about how you can start serving at a ministry team at NLCC. Maybe it means being bold enough to decide for the very first time that you're ready to put your faith in Jesus. Bold enough to ask somebody what it means to be baptized. Whatever it looks like for you, do it. Be bold. Live loud. Share the love of Jesus in this Christmas season. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts, or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.